It's Sunday, April 25th. Welcome to a new episode of Bazaar. I'm your host, Sid, and joining me again in the studio is Anmol Gandhi. He has considerable knowledge when it comes to cryptocurrency. So whenever I have any, you know, upcoming hot news regarding Bitcoin, Dogecoin, anything related to cryptocurrency, he is the person I go to. So Anmol, very happy to have you today. Hello. Very happy to be here. Very excited to talk about what we have in store today. Yeah, and this week we are going to be talking about some key jargons that you should know if you are entering the world of cryptocurrencies. We'll also talk about Coinbase IPO, which had received amazing response and it it is commanding some great valuation at this point. So we'll talk about the IPO as well and how Coinbase's IPO could be a big step in establishing cryptocurrencies and blockchain technologies for the future for the long term. But, you know, I want to take a step back and first, you know, look at the things like in the in the past couple of years, what cryptocurrency has achieved. We have seen a meteoric rise in cryptocurrencies. Everything that I've learned about in investing is being challenged here, like Bitcoin, Dogecoin, Ethereum. You know, these were supposed to be a replacement for money. Like these were currencies that we're talking about, but the currency itself is rising in value and that too beyond proportions. I'm just not able to wrap my head around like what's happening here. Is there anything logical about this? Like, is there any reason why the cryptocurrencies are rising beyond proportion? So first off, we can see that there's increased acceptance. You cannot use cryptocurrency to buy a car. You can use Dogecoin to buy tickets to a basketball game. It's also seen as some sort of a rebellion because Bitcoin and like all cryptocurrencies, all decentralized cryptocurrencies for that matter, they go against the traditional principles of money. Because traditionally, what we've seen throughout all our lives, be it with gold or silver or just fiat currency, is that there's been one central authority who's been governing the supply of it, who's been actually printing the money and who's been organizing everything. But a lot of people seem cheated by the government because these self-proclaimed economists they say that because the government has injected trillions of dollars of new money and inserted into the economy in the form of stimulus checks and care packages, this has almost become a way for people to say that, you know what, I can do without you. I don't need your help. I don't need your constant interruption we, in the market. We've seen like in the pandemic, like you mentioned about the stimulus packages. So the Fed, the US government, even back in India, we've seen some massive stimulus packages and I'm not sure that the money really reached the intended people, like the people, they, they're still suffering, right? So I think that that could be one of the reasons as well. Yeah. So with the pandemic, a lot of people's financial situation changed drastically. In a year, they went from, with the stock markets went from their all-time highs. And they did eventually reach their all-time highs again. But at one point, they were down almost 50%. So a lot of people who had their money invested there, they found themselves in a bit of a problem. They turn, a lot of people turn to cryptocurrencies as a get-rich-quick scheme. So while that may not be the right way to look at it, it certainly worked for a lot of people. So even seemingly useless currencies like Doge has made people millionaires in the space of a few days. There's one cryptocurrency wallet that is holding more than $1.3 billion in Dogecoin. And Dogecoin doesn't fix anything. There's no limit on its supply. There's no inherent value in it. It just exists. Yeah, And it's like definitely not complete without mentioning Elon Musk. His constant tweets and presence generally in the cryptocurrency space has certainly helped speed up acceptance. 
that's right i mean you know all of these factors elon musk coming out there are also a lot of other billionaires as well like we i don't want to name anyone here but a lot of people have supported cryptocurrencies from the get go and obviously like what happens is when you see other people making quick money then you know you want to make quick money as well that is a psychological nature like it's human psychology when you see other people making quick money then you are like you know i also want to make quick money i don't want to be stuck with you know just 15% or 20% returns so that definitely has pushed cryptocurrencies up but i want to know like i want to get your take on this bitcoin dogecoin ethereum these are the three known cryptocurrencies right now like at least a lot of people have heard these names what do you think is the upside here because they have really just been on a tear for the past 2 years i think so do you still think that there's still upside in these cryptocurrencies so out of the three cryptocurrencies bitcoin is almost symbolic at this point because it was the first cryptocurrency to truly make it in the real world so there's always some sort of sentimental value attached to bitcoin like even people who are very heavily invested in the cryptocurrency space they have like seemingly a soft spot for bitcoin even though it's not perfect by any means there's because it was the first one to even realize that there is a problem in this act like in the normal currency system we use there's a problem that i need to fix and it's still by far the most popular cryptocurrency without a doubt ethereum on the other hand with ethereum you're not only buying into the cryptocurrency you're buying into the entire network you're buying into the blockchain and its applications ethereum's blockchain has a lot of different applications like smart contracts for example so cryptocurrency in fact is just a mean for you to invest into the actual network if an investor with a long term vision was investing into ethereum they wouldn't be investing for the capital gains or for the price action they're investing in the future of the blockchain and i have no words for dogecoin <laughs> that's that's just pure speculation like i i still don't understand because dogecoin doesn't have any supply constraints right it's it's unlimited and i don't think a lot of people use dogecoins for transactions like you mentioned you can buy basketball tickets and other stuff like it's it's gaining traction now but it started off as a meme and also with platforms like binance and coinbase which are cryptocurrency exchanges it becomes more easier for people to trade in cryptocurrencies so i think that also helps create more demand in the market obviously we'll be talking about coinbase later on but you know first i want to talk about certain jargons that are used in the crypto world you know there are a lot of technical words that people should be aware of if you're looking to get into this space like because you know this is a completely new industry a lot of terms that are used are completely like i when i was doing my research a lot of stuff i could not even understand so we want to understand what the basic terminology regarding the cryptocurrency space like what what are the terminologies you know important terms that you should know about and we will break it down for you and i think one of the most important terms is blockchain which is used quite frequently alongside cryptocurrency so tell me a, a bit about blockchain what does it do and you know like can you break down the meaning of blockchain for a layman so basically a blockchain is just a ledger so it's just a system of keeping record of transactions that are made in bitcoin or any other cryptocurrency for that matter and a lot of times with blockchain you hear decentralization so instead of one person or one computer taking care of that ledger or that system that system is maintained across several different computers that are linked in a peer to peer network in a peer to peer network there isn't a central server you're literally only sending things between one person to another and everyone can do that by themselves so there's 
no need for a central server for you to put your resources there and for someone else to take it from there. You just send it directly to the person you want it to receive. So like if I had to draw an analogy, blockchain is like an accounting software which keeps track of all the transactions that are processed. But I mean, it's it's slightly more complex than that in the way it operates. And each transaction that happens on the blockchain first has to be verified by multiple computers on the internet, which seems like quite a task. And we were talking about this pre-show. You were telling me that there are three types of verification processes that happen inside the blockchain. So tell me a bit, a bit about those verification processes as well. Yeah, so even if you're doing transactions in fiat currency, you still want to verify that, for example, if I'm sending money to someone else, the system will want to verify that I have that money in my account so that it can be transferred somewhere else. So similarly, these verification processes occur inside blockchain. So the blockchain uses algorithms to conduct this verification. And there are three main types of algorithms. The most popular one is proof of work, which is what Bitcoin uses. So with proof of work, you're using computational power to solve a puzzle, a hash that verifies the transactions have actually occurred and they've not been tampered with. So when a transaction is started, the miners of the blockchain begin their work. So they use their supercomputer. So I'm sure there's been a lot of headlines how Bitcoin mining takes a lot of energy. This is why, because they're using supercomputers with very fast processing speed and power to solve a cryptographic puzzle. And the answer to the puzzle allows them to place that block in the blockchain and then to move on to the next block. So it's almost like a repetitive cycle. The puzzle is difficult to solve. Hence, there is a need for a lot of computational power. The high computational power makes it such that you can solve the puzzle in a designated time. So for Bitcoin transactions to be processed, that time is around 10 minutes. So the problem with proof of work is because it's heavily reliant on computational power, as the number of users in the Bitcoin ecosystem increase, there's going to be a need for even more computational power. It's not sustainable in the long run, right? Because if you look right now, cryptocurrency is still, it's still a niche investment product or still a niche currency. Like not everyone is using it the way that people use dollar or rupee to transact. Once it goes mainstream in a very big way and like if you need to verify every transaction, then you need more computational power. And I don't think it's going to be sustainable. There was a statistic. I think you told me that people are using so much energy to mine cryptocurrency. It's equivalent to the the entire country of New Zealand. It's more than that. So yeah. quite surprising, quite uh, devastating impact as well if, if this continues at this pace. And I think that's where the proof of stake comes into play, right? Like that's a different kind of verification process. Yeah, so with proof of stake, you're basically, instead of trusting the node or the person that has the most computational power, you're trusting the person that has the most stake. So if I want to mine any cryptocurrency, if I own their coins, if I own the actual cryptocurrency and that's associated with my miner, then I have a higher chance of being able to get that reward from mining. Because in the proof of stake algorithm, they're basically trusting people who have a large stake in the success of the blockchain. So if I have 50 coins and someone else has 100 coins, the person with 100 coins is more likely to be entrusted with the process of mining and verification because according to the system, it thinks that because that person has 100 coins, they're more interested. They literally have a higher stake in the blockchain, so they're more likely to want it to succeed. And that state up that reduces the energy needed because 
you're no longer competing for computational power you're competing for ownership in the system so if i'm correct here instead of like 100 miners competing against one another there could be like just five miners who have more skin in the game like they have more stake they have more cryptocurrencies and they would be the guys who would be verifying the transaction in this in this case like instead of 100 people doing the same thing and out of them two or three people succeeding and winning only like when it comes to proof of stake then you bring down the number of miners and that means that the energy consumed is also going to fall so that seems more sustainable do you know any cryptocurrency which is using this method of verification at the moment like proof of work proof of stake these are different verification processes that are used by different cryptocurrencies isn't it yeah so proof of work is obviously being used by bitcoin and most popular cryptocurrency right now to use the proof of stake algorithm is ethereum and the thing with proof of stake is that even though you may own more coins than the next person but it's still a lottery so if you own more coins you have a higher chance of getting selected but no one is completely out of the game if i start off with only one coin there's still a very small chance it's um, admittedly it's smaller compared to someone who has more skin in the game who has more coins but i still have a chance to get trusted to do the mining and to then get the rewards for the mining understood and these two are not the only uh, two verification processes we also have a third verification process which is called proof of authority so how does that work so proof of authority is a modified version of the proof of stake algorithm it's based on the reputation of the people who are mining the cryptocurrency those people can basically delegate validators if you've selected a validator then they are allowed to mine the cryptocurrency they are allowed to verify the transaction and as the network grows these number of validators increases but because the validators are trusted and because you're directly giving them the responsibility rather than rather it being random there's less chances of failure or less chances of something going wrong okay so <laughs> to the listeners out there i would really recommend that you listen to all of these three verification processes again because it's quite nerve wracking even for me because i have no clue about how the cryptocurrency uh, world works you know i have no idea how blockchain works so it is quite a learning curve for me as well and if i had to summarize there is something called as a blockchain on which cryptocurrency transactions take place and for each cryptocurrency transaction to take place there has to be some sort of verification mechanism in place so there are three verification mechanisms in place first is the proof of work which is most popular because bitcoin uses this verification process there is also something known as proof of stake which is used by a cryptocurrency called ethereum and the third one is proof of authority which is it's still not used that much but it's still catching on and i think a lot of niche cryptocurrencies are using proof of authority so that's how it works and moving on you know just drawing a reference from these verification processes mining itself is becoming such a serious profession now isn't it like i want to ask you like this is going to be off topic but how can someone start mining like if tomorrow let's say a friend of mine comes to me and he asks me you know i want to start mining cryptocurrency how do you do that you have a few options so if you're if you're looking to mine popular cryptocurrencies like bitcoin for example so there's a app there's an application called nicehash and that basically allows you to mine cryptocurrency or mine bitcoin on your computer like on your regular computer without the need for some fancy supercomputer but naturally the because your competition is using supercomputers your efficiency is going to be much lower than theirs but it's still a very good way to find out how it actually works 
what it's doing because it, with nicehash you can look at the logs it produces and you can see what's actually happening for other cryptocurrencies it depends because if you're if a cryptocurrency is using the proof of authority mechanism then you'd have to show your trustworthiness to the moderators at the cryptocurrency for them to say that okay we trust you enough so that you can go ahead and mine on your own machine and there are also mm-hmm. specialized miners now a lot of mining businesses so in the us equity markets there are a lot of companies listed whose sole purpose is to just mine cryptocurrencies so one <laughs> company that comes to mind is marathon digital holdings what their entire purpose is to set up mining infrastructure across all of north america so they have like a few thousand miners spread across all of america and that's literally their purpose they're mining cryptocurrency they're buying cryptocurrency and anyone that wants to invest in that network can obviously invest through equity or through contacting them quite interesting i mean you know we should do a separate episode on nice hash how a normal person can also get into cryptocurrency mining i think a lot of people would be interested in you know understanding the nitty gritties of how that works but moving on i think there are two or three other terms that people need to know about so we also come across the term decentralized a lot like it's being tossed around a lot when you're referring to cryptos so what is the context here and are all cryptocurrencies decentralized in nature so the normal currencies we use that is centralized by nature so there is one central authority so for example in india it's the rbi there's only one authority who decides on who decides policy who makes decisions but in a decentralized network there's a distributed consensus system no one single computer or no one single person can make a decision that applies to the entire network a majority of the network has to agree on a decision for it to be deemed valid and to be applied to the rest of the blockchain and you might ask that why did we go down this route and why is this helpful because it prevents a single device or single person from being the head authority as a majority so you have a greater chance of being able to express your opinion a decentralized network and a blockchain by its nature will allow for more transparency because all transactions on a blockchain are publicly available for everyone to see as and all devices on the network have to publish those transactions to the blockchain so in a decentralized network there are more checks than than what you would expect in a centralized network before any transaction is processed and that also means that the chances of a fraudulent transaction or a invalid transaction going through also decreases substantially because you have like a lot of miners a lot of verificators like a lot of validators you know validating the transaction before it can go through so a decentralized networks makes more sense but that also means that it takes more time right if it's a decentralized network that means that for any transaction to be processed it's going to take more time yeah so that's why bitcoin it says that it's going to take 10 minutes for it to verify any transaction that occurs because basically once a transaction is made for example if i send someone some bitcoin that transaction is propagated to a lot of different devices on the blockchain and then hmm. say my transaction is received by 10 computers more than half of the computers so a minimum of 6 computers have to agree that this transaction is valid there's nothing fraudulent going on here and only once that happens then the transaction is approved it's verified it can go on to the blockchain and on average based on the encryption algorithms that takes around 10 minutes for bitcoin's network but that is not practically possible for some day like if you're shopping that you can't wait at the cashier for 10 minutes for them to verify <laughs> that oh we've received your bitcoin so that's why there are other cryptocurrencies more practical by nature so they have a 
shorter transaction processing time we have different methods that's something for another day yeah quite interesting and you know i i want to like get back to when you said that all of this information like all of the transactions that are processed are publicly available like all of these blockchains have to make this information publicly available what does that mean like how how is it ensured that the transactions that i am doing not everyone can access it and how is it protected like how is privacy ensured in that case so it is true that transaction data is publicly accessible on the blockchain but we need to clarify what kind of data is actually available so if i make a transaction if i send you some bitcoin and then we go and look at that information on a blockchain or on a block explorer the only things that are going to be there are a there's going to be a transaction reference number so that's common we also have that with other transactions and then the other things that are going to be there are going to be the source address so that's going to be my wallet address where the transaction is originating and your wallet address where the transaction is going to be ending but the thing with that is that there's nothing connecting that address to me to any random stranger on the internet that's just the string of 50 numbers and letters they don't know that it's me who's making that transaction and they don't know that it's you who's receiving that bitcoin and furthermore for you to verify that you actually want to make a transaction that is encrypted using asymmetric key encryption so there's a public key and a private key your private key is used to encrypt the transaction data so if you if i have a wallet and i want to use my wallet to make a transaction i have to enter my private key to get access to my wallet no one else has access to my private key i should be the only one who has my who has access to my private key so once i put that in i can use my wallet to make transactions mm understood so the information that's publicly available is the transaction reference number the wallet address of the receiver and the sender but you cannot trace the receiver and the sender to the actual person like unless you have the private key you cannot find out that the wallet address belongs to this person and the like the sender's wallet address belongs to this person you cannot trace the actual source from where the transaction has been originated that's how they ensure privacy so i think yeah it's quite interesting talking about these jargons and you know certain terms that normally we we not aware of like when we reading something related to cryptocurrency these are a few things that you should know before you you know dive deeper into this space and i want to take a segue here now so a lot of a lot has been covered regarding the recent coinbase ipo that uh, happened like for a few days back coinbase which is a cryptocurrency exchange came out with its ipo and it listed on the exchanges and i remember you telling me that it will significantly help cryptos get more mainstream like it will help cryptocurrencies generate more demand it really puts cryptocurrencies on the map now so what do you think is going to be the impact coinbase which which is like the second largest cryptocurrency exchange coming out with an ipo how big of an impact do you think that is going to create on cryptocurrencies going forward for starters it just opened up a new perspective for a lot of people so the presence of such a large exchange such a large company on the stock market which is traditionally seen as being much more reliable and coinbase users like the company itself they traded cryptocurrency worth 200 billion dollars in 2020 up from 135 billion dollars in 2019 so there were already previous signs of there just being increasing acceptance of cryptocurrency and there was a lot of hype around its ipo so it opened at 250 dollars and at one point it went to 420 dollars per share at which point it was worth more than 100 billion dollars providing further evidence that this is actually legit like this is happening this is a real business out there and coinbase made 800 million dollars in net income in the first quarter of 2021 alone 
and that was almost entirely through transaction fees and that was more than all of their 2020 net income combined so they made more in 3 months than they made in an entire year which i think <laughs> is just a signal for how the cryptocurrency yeah. space has been and there's also been recently we heard so much institutional buying happening of cryptocurrency so a lot of like for example jp morgan said a long term price target on bitcoin of 140000 wow that's quite astronomical to say the least yeah yeah with even with coinbase there's just been a lot of institutional buying so for example kathy wood a lot of people refer to her as the born buffet of the 21st century she raised more than 600 million dollars worth of coins since it performed this direct listing even though it hasn't mattered to her if the price is going up or down she's just kept adding and adding that shown a very different level of belief in this entire system not more than just the company yeah i mean you know that things are getting serious when institutional money is flowing into a sector like when jp morgan people like kathy wood who is like you mentioned warren buffett of the 21st century they are investing in companies like coinbase it tells you that this sector is there to stay like it, i used to think my my thinking was flawed before i used to think that you know cryptocurrencies bitcoin ethereum all of these things they're just a short term way of people to make money but the way that funding is happening in this space and the the level of institutional investing that's happening in this space that tells you that the long term potential of not only cryptocurrencies but also of the ancillary technologies like blockchain and all the different verification processes it's quite serious and it's here to stay and they're going to be major disruptors of the banking industry and several other industries in the future and like you mentioned you know coinbase is going to help them achieve that i really want to take a look at the numbers again so you mentioned that coinbase had a net income of 800 million in the first quarter of 2021 that's a lot of money that does mean that they are charging a lot of transaction fees and do you think that's sustainable like in the long run do you think when the volume of transactions increase they will be able to charge the same level of brokerage going forward or they have to reduce the prices because it's it's a lot yes. like the transaction fees is quite high isn't it yeah so the thing with coinbase is that even though like for the bigger picture it's good for cryptocurrencies a lot of people who actually use bitcoin and who trade cryptocurrencies they dislike coinbase because of its high transaction fees so for example if you want to deposit money into your coinbase wallet so that you can buy cryptocurrency If you use PayPal to deposit money there, you have to ch- you have to pay a four percent commission just for the privilege of using PayPal. And if you're performing transactions between one to ten dollars, so like relatively small transactions, the average fee is more than ten percent of that transaction value, and that only goes up as the transaction values goes up. So transactions on yeah. Coinbase are not very sustainable if they're very small. So as the number of users increase. the number of small transactions will also increase yeah i mean the the potential for coinbase as a company if we are to define the potential is quite high because cryptocurrencies are still you know they're still not caught on in a big way people are still discovering you know they're still experimenting when it comes to bitcoin ethereum there are a lot of other cryptocurrencies out there as well so once it goes mainstream once you know a lot of people are transacting in cryptocurrencies then the money that's going to flow into coinbase it's going to be exceptional and i think that's why you know people like kathy wood and a lot of institutional people are also so excited like that's why the ipo was so much hyped up right because the potential for coinbase is tremendous 
we'll keep tabs on coinbase and also on the other cryptocurrency exchanges out there i think that's it for today's edition of bazaar so anmol thank you for coming on the show and just a programming note here we'll also be covering other cryptocurrencies so this episode is part 1 of a two episode series which will be doing on cryptocurrencies and in the next episode we're going to be talking about some cryptocurrencies which a lot of people have not heard of like you know what are the other cryptocurrencies that people can look for stellar returns and obviously it's not guaranteed we'll also talk about the risks of investing in cryptocurrencies in the next episode and uh, yeah anmol uh, again thank you for coming on bazaar thank you for having me it's been very good and this this is obviously a very interesting and constantly expanding space something's always happening here every day you wake up you see something's happened overnight so definitely it's good like, to it's good to stay stay up to date with changes we can definitely do a weekly or a monthly uh, a show on cryptocurrency and what's happening in cryptocurrencies like there's so much so much news on cryptocurrencies thanks to elon musk thanks to the tweets that's you know being flowing out there and also it's just immense like now a lot of things that i'm reading about a lot of it is about cryptocurrencies so there's covid there's cryptocurrencies and then there are two or three other things but it's really it's one of the hottest topics right now so you know i'm looking forward to having you again you know in the next episode that we're going to be doing let's pull up our socks and start the research on that one yeah definitely all right so that does it for today's edition of bazaar people on the show may have certain recommendations to buy or sell but don't buy or sell based on what you hear do your own investing research before you take any decision especially when it comes to cryptocurrencies be very cautious it's a very risky asset it's a very risky investment decision that you might be making when you're putting money in cryptocurrencies so let us know what you think if you want us to cover any specific topic you can reach out to us at the bazaar podcast at gmail.com or you can hit me up on twitter take care and we'll see you next week